So you drive to Davenport dri- to run? Well, it's like a six minute drive. I don't like running in Rock Island because I almost always get hit by a car. Here's the deal. I'm 53 years old. And if my wife wasn't a fabulous cook and or she left me <laughs> um, for somebody better looking and richer, it's a distinct possibility, folks. <laughs> I would end up eating cereal and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and German pancakes. There is, there is Pod Save America. There's everything. There's, there's a podcast. There's now a podcast. If you have a foot fetish, or if you're really into fire extinguishers, I'm sure there's a podcast about fire extinguishers. (laughs) And it's, and it's. This is the guy who does the fire extinguisher podcast. Hello, my name is Bob Smith, and welcome to all about fire extinguishers. (laughs) How much? How much is there behind fire? Bob can talk a lot about firecasts, and I thought we just bought thousands of dollars of equipment to talk about <laughs> fire extinguishers. Oh my god, I can't. Did you ever? I like watching him. It's really weird because he does it so aggressively, and I'm not aggressive in any aspect of my life. And <laughs> when they when they say banging out a story, this guy bangs it out. <laughs> Testing one, two, three on my mic. Testing one, two, three on my mic. I'm Todd Meisner. I'm Jessica Gallagher. And we're talking pictures with veteran dispatch Argus reporter, Jonathan Turner. Jonathan, welcome to the podcast because you're the key guy in this interview process today. You just finished uh, and published uh, an amazing series of articles about suicide. How did you end up coming to want to do this series and put this much effort into it? Well, it's uh, something we didn't just finish. We published it in August. It was a, I think, six-day series altogether. Uh, It ran August 5th to the 10th. Um, It's a topic that's obviously important everywhere, locally and nationally. And I've been personally affected by it, as the stories obviously showed so many many people and families have been uh, affected by it. And uh, I just thought it was a natural kind of subject to investigate and and see how the local area has been impacted and what kind of efforts and uh, things are being done to to prevent suicide. How did you break the series up? That was a big challenge. I mean, it's obviously an overwhelming topic. Um, So I thought it would be a natural for a multi-part series. Um, So I kind of approached it by kind of topic the first major story, which was the first day focused on individuals and families uh, in the area that have been affected uh, by suicide, uh, kind of weave that into the overall scope uh, of the issue nationally. Uh, And then subsequent days were, you know, one was an individual, uh, a mother and her uh, creative project that uh, addresses suicide one was about teen suicide, how it affects youth and, and schools in the area. One was on veterans uh, that another reporter, Jim Meenan, had uh, tackled for, for us for the paper. Uh, one was on the arts, how the arts address uh, suicide and mental health. And the last day was kind of focusing on just the shortage of psychiatrists nationally and, and locally and how the, the area is dealing with that. I ended up doing the photos for it, and Jessica was was um, instrumental in helping me kind of develop the lighting scheme and edit and 
helping me light people and whatnot. And, and, the, and the photos turned out pretty well. How did you, and the hard, the, it wasn't hard to figure out the photos and how to do them and make them emotional. It's an emotional topic. But how did you end up finding the subjects? Because it's not, not necessarily something that everybody wants to have their photograph assigned to. I know. I was, I was really worried about that initially too. I mean, getting people to agree to be subjects for the articles and to be subjects in the photos. Um, the one person that you had actually chose for the, the Sunday uh, main story front page is a friend of mine that, uh, that I knew that I, I, I know from church and his son had, had killed himself, uh, about 2005 when he was 20. And so I obviously had known that for years and that was kind of in the back of my mind about the motivation for the series. Um, and, you know, fortunately, he was agreeable. I asked each of the subjects, uh, the people to bring in the photo of their loved one that they lost. Uh, I met a, a number of people through a um, suicide support group that meets in Davenport um, through the American uh, Foundation for Suicide Prevention chapter locally, um, just kind of networking and talking to the, the experts in the field and asking if they have, you know, people that are going through this and, and asking if they would be amenable. Uh, I know just meeting the people inside and sometimes they'd be waiting for their photos to be taken and getting to discuss with them. And they were all excited to have their pictures taken. They were very nervous but getting to tell their story on a platform, I think, meant the world to them. And I know that they all appreciated it. And a lot of them were excited to share their story. And I know it felt good for them to talk about their loved ones. And they know that maybe they could be helping out in some way. So I think it was really great to see all the subjects. Yeah, it's a very cathartic thing. And, I mean, that's the 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 point of every support group for, you know, whether it's alcoholism or drug addiction or um, suicide uh, is getting to know that you're not alone going through this and getting to share your experiences and getting support from people that are, you know, in similar situations. And um, they, they were very appreciative. Yeah. People were very willing to share their stories and kind of bear their, souls and they they want to reduce the stigma and they want to to help other families and they want you know to try to make sure other people don't have to endure this so they're yeah they're uh, very willing to to share this and to hopefully get other people help and prevent this from happening to other people what were some of the common threads that ran through all of your research and all your interviews um The, a number of the people that I featured, um, I was just really impressed with how they channeled their grief and their, uh, emotion into something positive. And they weren't, you know, you can't imagine, I can't imagine, um, uh, dealing with a, a situation or a experience like this. And, you know, if I, if it was me, I'd, you know, probably close in on myself and be, you know, motionless and not able to function. <laughs> and they were able to take that and channel their energy into positive things with, um, uh, George Smith. Uh, he lost his son, Adam to suicide in 2012. He created the annual Adam fest 
in his name to raise money for mental health research and awareness that's in East Moline every, every year. And, uh, uh, a woman in Bettendorf who lost her former fiance to suicide. She is now the organizer for the Out of the Darkness walks uh, in Bettendorf. Uh, the next one is actually this Saturday um, uh, at the v Veterans Memorial Park in Bettendorf. So she got involved with AFSP. Um, and just the theme of people who are doing something good and taking that energy and trying to uh, to help other people. And uh, the woman we featured in the Monday uh, story, Keegan's Rocks, uh, is this mother who lost her son. Um, and she has this project where she paints rocks and other, you know, hundreds and hundreds of other people um, putting positive messages and kind of putting the rocks in places where to, to, uh, people can find them just randomly. And they often put the suicide prevention hotline a number on the back and it's something that she can do to kind of manage her own grief and and also turn to something positive i was um first of all i didn't think of it at the time when we took the when we finished the edit and jess and i narrowed it down to the final number of pictures that we were going to use each portrait uh shot in black shot black or produced in black and white obviously digital camera they're not black and white but anyway uh, kind of stylized, uh, stole the kind of lighting scheme from Joel Grimes um, and a video that I had seen of him. It's pretty much a single um, beauty dish above their head with their heels right back onto the black so that the, the spill from the light creates the backlight. Um, and then they're just holding the pictures and, and, we just kind of let them. I, I was the camera was tripoded and I was very close to their face, so they couldn't see me, and so um, they kind of just. The, I think the stronger of the the portraits were the ones where the people forgot I was there, and were thinking about um, the loved one. Actually, thinking about the loved one and not thinking about thinking about the loved one and thinking about getting their picture taken. And Jess was instrumental in kind of helping them move their heads and, and while I was looking through the lens and making sure everything was square and focused and composed right. But you thought of this, Jess, when we went to post the photos on social media was to make sure we had that suicide awareness hotline mm -hmm. number. And it didn't, you know, that that's, you don't want to be a trigger. You want to be helpful. I never thought about that was a really good idea on your part to make that ha happen. I think, uh, I think the organization put out something. I think I saw it on uh, the organization. I can't remember what is it. The, For which one? the, the national AFSB hotline or the, right, right, right. Yeah. They Suicide put out, uh, if media does right. do any coverage on this to always include suicide right. hotline, just in case someone reads this, it moves them to, get help or if they need help in that moment. So it's always important that the media does their responsibility also in making sure, yes, we're producing this and giving it a voice, but how can we also make sure that those reading and those struggling have the resources to get through to the next day or if they just need someone to talk to. And I think it, it's just great that we can do that. It was, it was another interesting thing that came as a result of this. First of all, Miss Iowa who I apologize, I haven't emailed her back recently, but she wants to help help me produce more of these 
these images, which I think I I guess my end game for the for the photo standpoint of it by the time we get to suicide awareness is it week or month or yeah um, that w- I have enough images that I can we can have some kind of gallery show of of the of the images that's kind of my long term goal with this and so um, it's not a hard setup. Um, as far as lighting, um, we just had people come into our studio and, and pull down the black backdrop. So it was easy to do. Um, but uh, getting out there and, and, and gathering up some more people who might be interested in having their picture and, and, and then in the caption, tell a little bit about the person that they, they've lost uh, moving forward. But I didn't realize there was somebody else who was kind of doing the exact same thing. I mean, they're lit differently, but she was shooting – I don't know. I forget where she is. I should look it up on Instagram. But she sent me a note that said how much she enjoyed the images um, because she was kind of doing the same thing. So it was, you know, I guess, you know, it was interesting that the how many people want to tell their stories back to the kind of where we were talking about a minute ago was that it and I found this to be true in in covering news. People kind of react to tragedy in two different ways. They either want to tell you about the person they've lost so that they kind of live on and give you that kind of hot eulogy where you're at something and something bad has happened and they want to tell you about the person that's not there anymore and or their their privacy is being invaded by us by our presence at something and 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 their hot take at that moment is to scream and yell at you. So you kind of never know what you're going to get into. But I'm always amazed at what people tell us in the field when tragedy strikes, that that they'll just find you, pull you aside, and, and start telling you things. And you're like, whoa, whoa. I mean, you've known me for two seconds. You don't know anything about me. I mean, I, let me tell you my name first, but it's not, it's nice. And you just let them talk and it, the, the catharsis of whatever this and this on a, on a grand scale and more organized is kind of the same thing. Yeah. And another, I mean, another theme, I think obviously with any kind of situation of, of death and tragedy that the family wants to honor their loved one. And they're kind of doing this in the memory of their loved one and they want to share that story and what their struggles were and uh, how they can help other people uh, through that process. And um, yeah, it's, I I was just really impressed with uh, the courage and the strength that these families showed and um, that, uh, you know, they want to help other people and they want to make sure like Jessica was saying that, tell people their resources available because obviously people struggling with mental health issues and, and uh, suicidal thoughts uh, think there's no way out and there's no future or there's uh, no help for them. And um, one of the, you know, counselors that I talked to said that people, um, most people don't want to end their lives when they consider suicide. They just want their pain to stop and they want to know that, you know, there are other people going through this and that, that there's a way out of it. I, I, I don't know how to follow that up right. <laughs> from and, a, from a, from a journalistic standpoint to kind of change gears really quickly. That was really awesome, by the way. Um, if you, if you're going to, if other, you know, people listen to the podcast that might be in the journalism field, what suggestions, what kind of, uh, suggestions would you have for someone that who would want to do something similar or 
uh, shed some light on the problem of suicide. What did you learn from a journalistic standpoint? I mean, I've always thought over the years that, um, you know, there are certain issues, uh, whether it's worldwide terrorism, whether it's mass shootings, school shootings, uh, one, one of the, you know, big kind of statistics that always had stuck with me is the, the, the incidence of, of suicide and how, how many lives it affects. And I, I didn't want my stories just to be numbers and just to be the dry kind of facts. And, uh, you know, suicide kills more than 44,000 people a year. And that's more than twice of all the murders, uh, every year in the country. And, um, just that is just a startling statistic and how I, you know, tried to go into how it affects Illinois and Iowa and how it affects the counties in the area and the quad cities alone. It was, you know, 380 plus suicides in like three or four counties, uh, within the past seven or eight years. Um, and you know, through these stories that journalists humanize, that's how we approach issues. We take the local angle and we try to look for people affected by those issues. And so obviously suicide is the ultimate personal kind of, um, tragedy and issue. So, you want to find those people, want to find the families that are affected by it and tell their stories and how they're dealing with it and take it from there. And just to tie it back to our community, we recently had a young person take their life. So this does tie to our community, and this is something that is very much a problem in our community. And any way for people to get help is important. So I think this pertains to our community as much as anywhere else is teen suicide on the rise oh yeah i mean with i don't have the numbers right in front of me but um among youth it's yeah like the second or third highest uh, cause of death among you know 15 to 24 and it's really uh, rising across the country and one of the stories that i'd done just from a personal point of view bettendorf high school where my where my sons had graduated their show choir did this past february their whole theme was mental health in their production and the choir the the show choir director knew that these were issues that kids were wrestling with and so their whole production was kind of moving from darkness to light in their song selection and uh, i was just really impressed by that and they bettendorf high last year had a, a suicide that they were dealing with kind of in the midst of the the show choir doing their rehearsal process and um they did a, a song from the musical Next to Normal, which is uh, a, a really amazing show that, that deals with a, a mother who's going through um, mental health issues. And we featured that in the series where I did my story on the arts and how uh, local artists and, and uh, theater kind of addresses mental health issues. And the Black Box Theater Moline did a production around the time of the series that I highlighted in August. And um, the director, um, Kyle Schneider, who directed that show, actually one of his best friends had killed himself when he was like 21. And so that was a real personal issue for him. But so even if it doesn't affect you directly, you can see through forms of art, through theater and music, how it affects, you know, how you cope with that and how you express those feelings through those art forms. Do, do we know why kids are killing themselves more? Is there is there is there a common thread? No, I mean, or is it a universal? It's the same story of children feeling hopeless. 
I know it's um, that's something through the series that I also came across that obviously every suicide is a different circumstance and different situation. Everyone goes through their own pain and, and trauma. And uh, my story, uh, the story I did on youth suicide, kind of address part of it just in terms of the social media has kind of exposed things and magnified issues to such an extent where um, there's so much peer pressure and bullying and, and uh, things that are exposed that kids, you know, in previous generations could keep private or not have other people know about. And kids are living their lives online and, and uh, they're, they're just facing so many pressures that way. And just your, yeah, regular kind of pressures to succeed and to whether it's personally or through school or through your career choices. And there's not, not really one, I think, issue you can point to. But How is it, uh, from a personal standpoint, just being the youngest person in the room, closest to the, the closest to teenage years at 23, um, did you see a social media? Um, I came at the time of age where like Instagram and Facebook and MySpace, MySpace was being shut out and Facebook and Instagram and Twitter were hot on the rise. And you did see a lot of kids struggle with videos of them being posted online and bullying online. And I think I kind of escaped that just barely, but my sister is 16 and thank God she doesn't post anything online. We've had very serious talks, but you see kids getting their lives destroyed overnight. And I mean, it's, it's hard. It's hard for kids. And I think mental health among youth has risen quite a bit since I was a kid. But there was a ton of kids that uh, I went to school with in high school, middle school, elementary school that you saw struggling. And everyone knew they were struggling, but no one knew how to help them. And I think being able to reach out to people and be like, hey, I'm here for you. Do you need help? Or going out to other people is so important. But there's so much. I think people are afraid to also confront people. And that's how I was when I was a kid. I had no idea how to deal with anyone that was sad, but you know, you try to be there for people. And I don't know. I think social media has definitely done a lot, but I also think there's still a huge stigma of people not being able to get help. Yeah. It, it, in 1982, 1982, when I was in high school, we had um, a, a young girl who she actually was in my driver's ed car. That's how I knew her. She's the, you get three kids in a car learning how to drive. She was one of me, Ted Onley and Faith, we're all in the in the same uh, driver's ed car, and just one afternoon, she was an accomplished dancer. She had all her things going for her, and our high school was near the Chicago Northwestern tracks. And she walked out of school, which wasn't unusual because it was an open campus. You could go get lunch at a at a local restaurant or or store or whatever, and she walked down the street and up the stairs and and stepped in front of a Chicago Northwestern train at wow. at at lunch mm. and you know you see now where all these kids come when some tragedy happens in a local high school and then they bring in counselors they might have brought in counselors but i graduated with 1200 people so the idea that they would have brought in enough counselors to counsel all of us i might have been impossible, but I, I don't remember there being other than, Hey, did you hear what happened? 
And then, then it was just the people who were close to her were sad. Mm -hmm. And, and, but it's there, I think that there's not enough, uh, in my limited experience enough for kids to help them through these things. Mm -hmm. But there also is a lot more than there was, you know, 30 years ago where I don't know that it just, it just, you just, you just moved on and moved on to the next thing. And that she was gone. I mean, my, one of my best friends growing up's mom, same train. Mm -hmm. She had mental health problems for years and it was, they were always telling us that Mrs. Um, I shouldn't say her name, but she would, she, she would go away and then she would come home. She had six kids and six kids were a lot of stress and, and she just wasn't stable. And then, the, then one day, Chicago Northwestern train. She, her kids, her, her kids had, her older kids had stopped her once before, trying to get to the train. And then the next, the next time around, they didn't get her. And that was my first experience as an elementary school kid. I think I was in fifth grade when Steve's mom killed herself. And and it's, it, it's just you just see what it does to families, and it's just unbelievably devastating and looking through the lens at these people, you know, you can see in many of them when they kind of let themselves think about it for the sake of the the photograph that the, that the pain comes into their eyes. And then that's when the, when the photograph has impact. So, um, but it, it, it's, it's a it's is a hard subject, and you did a marvelous job of, of kind of um, uh, I wanted to say put a bow on it, but that's not really appropriate. Just to raise I, awareness. I mean, to raise awareness and and kind of in a compact um, series that would keep people's attention for a whole week. And we don't actually we don't do that. We don't we it, it took take an enormous amount of work. On your part, and then the other story. How many other stories? It was you did most of them. It was Jim, the one that did the only other ones. So yeah, Jim did a couple of the veteran stories on the middle middle of the week, and I did the other days. But yeah, it was I kind of worked on it from you know middle of June through you know uh, end of July, first of August when it was put together. Uh, while working on all the other stories that you have to do for the yeah for your regular beat and i don't know if you've todd probably remembers the the dispatch argus uh you know i started like in the late 90s uh late 90s was kind of more of a a heyday under ron sutton when we did a number of series uh on i did years ago a series on holocaust survivors and a series on the muslim community and um you know we did a series on the hispanic community and just real big kind of issues that way and um well the one one of the the biggest uh supporters of the series that i didn't mention was uh, kevin atwood who's been really active he started uh, an organization called foster's voice uh in honor of his son foster a uh, uh, ut graduate who, who who had um died by suicide when he was 19 and he you know he's raised money he's had benefits he started a support group he's just been amazing in terms of speaking to schools, um, bringing the message of, of just raising the issue and uh, w- wanting to prevent other suicides. And he, you know, I had done a story shortly after the the original suicide in 2017, and 
this was a, another case where Foster was kind of real popular and he was um, an athlete and he was a kind of happy-go-lucky and he outwardly, you know, he presented one face to the world and kids can, you know, mask that and, and be internally really struggling. And so that's a situation where the parents have to really be in touch and communicate with their kids and try to understand what's going on and really get them the help they need. Awesome. I think that's a good place to end. Well, thanks for coming into the studio. You had thanks to walk 35, 35 feet into <laughs> the, the studio. Exercise. We don't in the new building, we don't even have to go upstairs. Right. This isn't awesome. even aerobic. We don't even catch it. We don't even get, we <laughs> no. have no there's no health Just benefit for walking this far. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. I'm Todd Meisner. I'm Jessica Gallagher. I'm Jonathan Turner. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye bye. The Talking Pictures podcast is produced by Todd Meisner with help from Todd Welvert, Meg McLaughlin, Jessica Gallagher, and Gary Crambeck, with a special thanks to Laura Frames and Laura Anderson-Shaw. The music was provided by Kevin McLeod at www.incomputech.com. To see some of the photos and videos discussed in our podcast, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and our blog at talkingpicturespodcast.blogspot.com. Make sure you never miss a podcast by subscribing to the Talking Pictures podcast on iTunes, Podbean, or any place podcasts are distributed.